So um, I'm Montoya McGowan. Um, welcome to Bougie Black Therapist Podcast. I am a licensed clinical social worker in the Memphis area. And soon I will be able to say that I am an international speaker. I do uh, speak a lot across the U.S. about my favorite topic, which is bougie boundaries. I love talking about bougie boundaries. And usually um, a lot of the clients that I work with are entrepreneurs and cycle breakers who struggle with people pleasing. And so that's my favorite topic to talk about. So if you're interested in having me as a guest, please feel free to go to my website and fill out a contact form. Um, today, we will be talking about panic versus um, anxiety attacks. My initial goal or my initial um, plan was to talk about love letters. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do love letters is because I've had people ask me, um, how am I able to sit with people who are suffering for so long um, during the day as a job? How can you sit with people who just complain or whine or who are suffering trauma and then when you leave, you're okay? Uh, as a newer clinician, when I first started 2010, um, I was tired um, and I did kind of struggle with having uh, healthier boundaries in the therapy room. But as I have grown, I have learned how to trust that people are able to take care of themselves outside of therapy. And I've learned ways to make sure that I empower people who use me as a conduit for their healing versus enabling them. And it takes some skill and it takes some time. But when I sit with people, um, it's usually because they finally got the courage to come and talk to somebody about issues that they have going on. Um, the people that I sit with are trailblazers. They're cycle breakers. Um, they're people who struggle with being the strong friend, and now they no longer want to be the strong friend, and they need somebody that they can talk to and that they connect with and somebody that they can just process while they learn to cultivate healthier boundaries that work for them. Because boundaries are boundaries are desires and expectations that you state. I like to think about it as rules of engagement. And sometimes the rules of engagement change for us depending on where we are in life and um, what's going on in life. Just like your love languages change. When, you, when I was a mom, my love language was acts of service because I needed some help with these kids. Um, but now that my kids are older, my love language is more quality time and words of affirmation because I don't need as much help with getting stuff done. And so sometimes Sometimes making sure that you spend some time with yourself to see what things do you need to reassess in your life and what are some rules of engagement with how people deal with you or how you deal with people um, who needs to have access to you and who doesn't. I like to say that boundaries, your, your boundaries should be bougie. Once you start working on your healing process, because it should be a luxury for people to have access to you. So today um, we're going to talk about panic attacks versus anxiety attacks and all things that come with those. Um, I, 
I remember when I had my first panic attack, but I thought it was growing pains because I was laying in bed and I felt my chest feel like it was opening up. But I remember exactly what I was thinking about. And I just kind of laid there and I was like, oh, this is what growing pains feel like. And I'm just going to let it pass. And then maybe a few years later, I remember laying in bed again and it felt like something was sitting on my chest and I could hardly breathe. And I remember taking little sips of breath, um, little sips of air because it, it felt like I wasn't getting enough air. And I was just laying there. I just let it, I just let it pass. I just let it go through. And I didn't know that that's what that was, but apparently I was doing a good job at just kind of allowing it to pass and letting it come to uh, an end by itself. And then I was working uh, during the pandemic at the hospital and I was working in the ER and I was dealing with microaggressions, um, bullying. I was dealing with being bullied um, at work in the name of work. Um, I was dealing with a lot of things in addition to we were in the midst of the pandemic and I'm also seeing clients part time. And so it was really tough um, helping clients work through the pandemic while I'm going through some of the same things that they were going through um, simultaneously. And so I had these three huge panic attacks. One night I remember I yawned. And when I yawned, a cry came out unexpectedly. And I was thinking before I yawned, oh, I got to go to work tomorrow. And that ended up being a three hour cry session with um, increased heart rate. And um, it was nothing I could do really other than to just let it pass. But. What I did learn in that experience is um, last year, my focus was vulnerability, learning how to be more vulnerable with people and letting people be there for me. And so I had a friend who was there and the friend didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do either because I'm just like, hey, I'm human. I'm, I'm having a huge anxiety attack or panic attack. And um, later that friend said it was really tough for me to see you crying and not being able to control yourself. And I don't know that I'll be able to be there for you anymore. And instead of me being sad about it, I decided to be grateful because if you're only around when I'm laughing and I'm hee heeing and kikiing and ha ha, then I don't need you to be around when things aren't going well for me. And so that was the gift of vulnerability, me being vulnerable enough to let this friend see me in um, a state where I'm not in control. And knowing that they don't got me, they, you, if you don't got me, then you can't be close to me. And so um, I was grateful for that because I started to learn who was there for me and who wasn't. And so the difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack, a panic attack is something that happens abruptly, like just out of the blue. 
and you don't know why. Anxiety attack builds gradually. Like you start to have the thoughts and you're getting ahead of yourself. And the more you get ahead of yourself, you're trying to be cool and you're trying to act like you're okay. But your thoughts are just like into next week. Um, and then it, it builds gradually. So, but the symptoms are very much the same. What I like to tell people is the difference between, okay, so imagine that like this is your body and this is your mind. Excessively worrying about the past is depression. Excessively worrying about the future is anxiety, but excessively worrying about it to the point to where it keeps you from being able to be in the moment and keeps you from being able to be connected to your body. And your mind can do both, but your body's like, excuse me, we can only be right here. So what's up? What we doing? What, what we got going on? And so there's something called um, the polyvagal theory. The polyvagal theory talks about our nervous system. I won't go into the, the details about the semantics of the nervous system, but the gist of it is um, we we hold a lot of things in our vagus nerve. The vagus nerve, it starts back here and it goes all the way down to the bottom of your spine. And then everything kind of branches out from that. So it's connected to your heart, your mind, your heart, um, your gut. And so anxiety can get trapped in the fibers of us. And anxiety is excessively worrying about what's going to happen next, but usually we're catastrophizing it. We're focusing on worst, worst case scenario. And in our minds, we're planning and pre-planning and future pre-planning for worst case scenario from A all the way to Z and then sub A, sub B, sub C, and then Roman numerals for all of those. <laughs> and you're just getting ahead of yourself. And your body's like, excuse me, we can't go any further. So I'm going to need you to come back here. But um, our nervous system, we... Our nervous system, when it comes to like mental wellness, is responsible for two things. It's responsible for safety and it's also responsible for connection. But every time you have a stressful or traumatic situation, you add to your list of criteria for things that are safe, that help keep you safe. And we start as little kids. We start kind of assessing for what could go wrong. We start assessing for what could possibly happen next. If you know your if you know that your parent is emotionally explosive, then you're gonna pretend like you're always okay. And as you get older, you pretend like you're always okay. But your nervous system is like, but we not okay though. <laughs> yeah, we not okay. And so um, we just gonna pop out whenever we feel like it. Because um, you can only stuff down so much for so long until your nervous system is like, excuse me, we need some air here. And so we just need to blow up. For some people, blowing up could look like anger. And for some people, blowing up could look like an unexpected panic attack. But it's all of our it's all of it is, is happening in our nervous system. Um, our body remembers trauma. Our body remembers stressful situations that we may not mentally remember. But 
you know how when you hear a song and the song takes you back to when you were in the seventh grade riding in the back seat and the wind was blowing in your face um, or you smell a scent and the scent takes you to your grandma's house when you're sitting on the porch and you remember eating watermelon sitting on the porch with no shoes on. Um, just like we remember the good memories and our bodies remember those things, the bad also comes with that too. So when it comes to the our nervous system and the bad happens, we create this safety list this criteria of safety that ends up being like a scroll every time something happens you put it on a list okay so I know next time not to make right turns put it on the list okay so next time when somebody say something to me and we're on a meeting I'm just not gonna say nothing because the last time I said something I don't like how they treated me and so the issue with that is we get really good at pretending like we're good. We get really good at pretending like we're okay. And we don't do well with connection. And so connection is feelings. And we don't like feelings because feelings be in the way. Feelings, um, I like to say feelings suck. We know mad, happy, sad, upset. Um, in some kind of way. In some kind of way, it's actually not a feeling because some kind of way to me could be interpreted um, completely different the way it could be interpreted for you. Let me look up some of these uh, symptoms of panic attack and anxiety attack because some people have them and don't know that that's what it is. Um, I do know that sometimes I ask people, about their gut health, you know, do you go to the bathroom regularly? And a lot of people who struggle with anxiety do not because we're tense. We're always like holding ourselves or preparing for something. Um, we don't breathe well. Um, we hold our breath a lot. Yeah, we hold our breath a lot. Um, and sometimes you're like, I need to breathe. I need to let go. <laughs> um, our faces are tense. Um, I've just paid attention to my hips. We hold a lot of stress in our hips because you could be driving and for some reason your legs are still just kind of like this. It's like you're you're preparing, you're holding, you're a, a pillar. Um, and after a while, your body's like, um... Can you chill out? Like, we need to relax some because we got some stuff we need to let go. And um, people who struggle with anxiety also struggle with um, gut issues until you get real nervous, like when you're behind a truck and it's foggy outside. <laughs> then I was like, you know what? I need to stop by the bathroom, please, because, uh, yeah, I got some stuff I need to do. Um, but some symptoms of panic or and or anxiety are uh, ex excessive worry, um, being apprehensive about stuff always or not always because that's not a real word, but being in a state of distress regularly, fear of dying or losing control. Um, we think about dying a lot but we don't talk about it because we assume that other people don't, especially after you've had a death. 
or you've experienced the loss of someone close to you, even if it was years ago. And as it relates to our psychosocial stages of development, the older we get, we naturally become worried about death. Like if you call your parent and they don't answer people who struggle with anxiety and catastrophic thinking automatically assume that your parent is laying on the floor and not able to get to the phone when really she turned her ringer off and she went to bed because she was tired of people calling her. <laughs> and so that's, you know, that's, that's our, a fear of dying, you know, a fear of losing people. And some people struggle with driving because of fear of dying or a fear of not having control while they're driving. Um, a sense of detachment from the world. Um, I saw this meme one day that said, I um, just got my disassociations degree, disassociate degree. And only people who know what disassociate means understands that. Do you know what disassociate means? So disassociating is, you know, like when you are in the car, say you move from one house to the next. And when you leave work, for some reason, you end up at the house you moved from instead of your new house. You're like, wait, how did I get here? That's because mentally we weren't connected to our body, but you were just on autopilot. And so really it's being disassociation. The best way I can explain it is zoning out. We're good at zoning out. I'm great at zoning out. It's actually one of my gifts. I can be in a room full of people, a baby crying and a dog barking. So like, you know, on the planes when the babies are crying, don't bother me. I can zone out. I don't hear nothing. It's a gift. <laughs> it's not a good gift. It's a bad gift. But yeah, I can zone people out. Like you could be sitting here talking to me and I could hear absolutely nothing. And I could be cheesing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because sometimes I'm folding towels in my head. <laughs> I learned how to do that when I was younger and then I learned how to do it when I was in the military and it's not a good trait to have because um I had to learn how to use my breath to come back to my body because your breath is your core and, you know, taking in a deep breath and um, letting it out and being intentional while you're breathing. Even if it means you just focus on this little part on your lip when you're breathing to feel it just to help bring you back to the moment. Because when it comes to um, disassociating or zoning out, if you're not here, you're somewhere. And if you're not here, where are you? And sometimes I just be folding towels in my head. <laughs> like I fold the big towels and then I do the little towels. Um, so yeah, disassociating is is one because it's how we protect ourselves from from anxiousness or from worst case scenario. Chest pain, shortness of breath, 
tightness in the throat. That's one that um, I hear a lot of people say. Uh, I do this technique called brain spotting. And sometimes when I'm doing brain spotting and it's someone who struggles with using their voice with speaking up, uh, they will say that their throat feels tight and it feels like, you know, their throat is starting to close up. But the more we work, the more comfortable they feel and it kind of moves through them. And so paying attention to how you use your throat chakra is definitely a part of you finding ways to manage anxiety for you. Sweating, dry mouth, chills, hot flashes, and all of these things, trembling, shaking, numbness, feeling faint or dizzy, all of these things are things that are the fibers of our nervous system. So learning to calm your nervous system will help you better manage your anxiousness. And the nervous system is when I talk about the vagus nerve and the polyvagal theory. And a lot of it is just talking your way through it, knowing what your feelings are, knowing how you feel and being okay with why you feel that way versus trying to explain it away. And then using different kinds of techniques to help you be in the moment. One technique is putting your hands in cold water or grabbing ice. Um, another good one is freezing a water bottle. So if you know that you've been having regular panic attacks, get the frozen water bottle or just a really cold water bottle and put it on the back of your neck or on your forehead. <clears throat> and it helps bring your heart rate down faster. Yep. Uh, cold showers also work, but everybody's not comfortable with cold showers. Sometimes after I've taken a shower, um, as I when I finish, when I wrap up, I put it on cold water for maybe a minute or two because it just helps you uh, calm your nervous system. Uh, letting it pass. Let it happen. Just be like, oh, shoot, <laughs> this is another one. I don't know how long this is going to last and just be in it because we have been taught not to have feelings. We've been taught not to have pity parties. We've been taught that you shouldn't feel jealous. We've been taught that you shouldn't feel anger. And all of these things are natural feelings. They're normal feelings. And we get embarrassed that we feel them and we're trying to find ways to hide or cover it up. But being okay with it, like, like I felt jealous when I saw the other people was up here doing podcasts. Like, wait a minute, that's my background. <laughs> but I'm so happy and grateful at the same time. Um, allowing yourself to remember what was I thinking about before I had that panic attack. What was I thinking about before my anxiety started to get the best of me? What was I doing? Um, who was around? Um, sometimes, what date is it? Because your body could be remembering uh, the anniversary of something that was traumatic that you didn't realize that's what it was. Some people feel it every year and they don't realize that that's what it is. Um. The cold water, being in the moment, talking it out, breathing. My favorite thing is yoga. 
And I like yoga because yoga forces you to stay in the moment. Yoga forces you to breathe into your body and you can't you can't be thinking about the bills that you forgot to pay if you're trying to remember to breathe and stay on your mat. Um Unless you leave and then go do it and come back, which that's not how we should be doing life. A lot of the things that we practice on the yoga mat are things that help us to practice other things outside of um, doing yoga in life, like patience with yourself, being okay with your limitations, being um, comfortable with challenging yourself to go a little bit past your limits every time, or sometimes just being and not focusing on healing. Um, Because healing is a lifelong journey. And sometimes we have to take a break from it, because it can consume us, it can be overwhelming, just focusing on personal development or feeling like We should be doing better. We should be doing more. Just finding ways to stay in the moment. Um, Some other things that you can do when you're having um, a panic attack or an anxiety attack is one that's called tapping. And you can do like the butterfly tapping where you're feeling your body, you in your body. Some of these things feel cheesy. But they're forcing you to be in the moment. They're forcing you to be right here, right now, because that's the only thing you have control over. You don't have control over what happened five minutes ago, and you don't really have any real control over uh, what's going to happen in the next five minutes. We can plan for it, but you still don't know exactly what's going to happen. When it comes to bougie boundaries, I like to tell people that you got to increase your faith and decrease your fucks. <laughs> but in order to decrease your fucks, you have to increase your faith because they go together. They go like hand in hand. And so focusing on the things that you have control over, focusing on the things that you're able to manipulate the outcome and the things that you can't. Make a decision to choose curiosity. Make a decision to choose to be curious about how things turn out, even though you don't have control over it. And choosing to be okay with whatever the outcome is, because if you decrease you involving yourself and trying to change the trajectory of the outcome, you could possibly be getting in the way of God's will for somebody else. And we like to decrease the amount of pain that we think someone we love is experiencing, but sometimes it's not your business. Sometimes you have to trust God for them, and sometimes you have to trust that things are going to work out however they're supposed to without you trying to influence an outcome that feels better for you. So bougie boundaries means mind your business. I had several people these past the past week or so tell me about my skin. And one of my clients, she was like a new client. She was like, yeah, I just want to know. I just have one more question before we wrap up. Can you tell me about your skin regimen? And I was like, oh, yes, I love talking about this. I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a skin regimen. 
I drink water and I mind my business. That's what I do. Um, I put Vaseline on my face at the end of the night. I heard that you shouldn't do that. But um, I remember one time where my anxiety was so bad that I had acne that I could not get rid of. I bought, um, you know, when everybody was doing proactive, I spent like five, six hundred dollars on proactive stuff. I did not get rid of the acne, but I did um, bleach my face. So I was (laughs) a lot lighter with acne. So you can see the acne a lot better. Those bosses like, what's up? We ain't going nowhere. <laughs> but um, it's crazy. The thing that cleared up my acne was going to therapy because I just I wouldn't talk to anybody about the things that I was thinking and I wouldn't talk to anybody about the things that I was feeling. And I remember my mom telling me, she said, I could tell that there's something bothering you. I could tell that there's something that you're struggling with. And she said, it's okay to talk about it. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's not okay. I'm just going to, I'm not going to do anything. And she said, not making a decision is a decision. So you're going to have to make a decision. And what's the worst that could happen? And if the worst happens, then if you're not dead yet, then it's not the end of the story. And so that helped me. But going to therapy helped clear my acne because I was able to let stuff out that I had been holding in my body and it got caught up in the fibers of me and it'll show up in our nervous system. And so sometimes just having confidential places to have healthy conversations are healing conversations. When a person leaves therapy, thank you. When a person leaves therapy, a lot of times I say, Ooh, I felt so much lighter. Yeah, because you left some tough conversations in this room and you didn't take them with you. Um, Finding ways to clear your thoughts because your thoughts are energy. And so that's how sometimes anxiety can manifest physically because you're just thinking and you're thinking and you're thinking, you're thinking more. And those thoughts are turning into energy and the energy is being like caught up in our bodies. And so if you don't give those thoughts and that energy a place to go, it will literally physically hold you hostage and manifest in ways where you least expect it. Like nobody has time to have a panic attack when you're driving. Nobody has time to have a panic attack when you're feeding the kids and they're watching you like, what's going on with you? And you're like, I just started thinking about something. Um, And Also connecting with other people, because there are so many of us who um, have dealt with a lot of the same things. So many of us who have the same mental uh, health struggles. Some of us have some of the same thoughts. But if you don't talk to other people, you won't know because there's there's healing in community. There's healing in knowing that there's hope for you. There's healing in knowing that it's possible for you to not feel this way as much and as often. And so I challenge you to uh, seek therapy, to seek therapy, to seek support. Um, If you can't go to therapy, if it's not affordable for you, it's some stuff on Google because you got a smartphone. So you could use your smartphone to help you get started. 
all you got to do is Google how to get over a panic attack. I know one time I was in the midst of one and I went on YouTube like and I listened to this lady tell me what to do when I was in the midst of a panic attack. And I started to feel better just from hearing a calm voice telling me that it's going to be OK. Feel your feelings. Be in the moment. Breathe and allow yourself to just be. You don't have any control over the next few minutes. You don't have control over what just happened. All you have control over is your breath. And if that's what you have control over right now, then that's what you focus on. So um, lifestyle changes. One of them, I realized traffic was a trigger for me. So me moving closer to where I do life so that I'm in traffic less. Because I know some of y'all be cussing in traffic. I said, I be calling people ugly. <laughs> I be calling people helpers. And if I get real mad, I be like, this ugly helper. I can't believe she got over in front of me and didn't even wave. Thank you. And if she had said thank you out loud, I wouldn't have heard her anyway. Um, but finding lifestyle changes that you need to make to help decrease your anxiety because your sometimes your anxiety is your intuition and in and us going against our intuition will create a lot of friction for us mentally and if your gut is saying you should or shouldn't do something trust your gut because your gut are really your feelings feelings are indicators and indicators are given to us for a reason. So you ignoring them or going against them could, you know, possibly do something to. That's not what I'm looking for. You going against them could affect your quality of life. I think our intuition is a, another way that God uses um, to speak to us. And so if he keeps telling you something and you keep going against it, then you're going to be in a state of anxiousness on a regular basis. I know that for me, with those debilitating panic attacks I was having when I was working at the hospital was because I wasn't supposed to be there anymore. I was supposed to be gone. I was supposed to quit. And I haven't had one since I left that building. I have not had one since I left that building. I've had plenty of stressful situations, but I have not because every day I went into that building, I wasn't sure what kind of emotional or spiritual war I was going to have to experience and sometimes when we're in the midst of a spiritual war coming back to your breath and knowing that God's will is what's going to help care for you is really the only safety that you need so that you can have more time to focus on connection um, connection takes us a lot further than safety does and connection is vulnerability connection is feelings connection is allowing yourself to feel what you feel in the moment without making any apologies about it and exploring why am I feeling this way where is this coming from and what do I need to do next so um, anxiety attacks and panic attacks are not um, life-threatening 
until you start to have them regularly and you don't find ways to care for them. Sometimes medication definitely can help. For me, I like to think of it as kind of like taking the chill off so that you can focus. Um, It helps kind of turn down the mental chatter so that you can start to make some movement on things that you need to do to change your quality of life for the better. Y'all have any questions? (laughs) 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 And me. (laughs) And we need each other. We need to have these kind of conversations with each other. And so if there's anybody here who, um, you know, is watching this podcast. I hope that you get the courage and find the curiosity to explore what can help you better manage um, anxiety and panic for you. And also consider therapy. And also subscribe to my YouTube channel where we'll have more conversations. And um, like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for staying with us for this long with Bougie Black Therapist Podcast. I'm out. Mm-hmm.